2: Welcome back to Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman and the voice of the Cardinals, Dan McLaughlin, here with you. And we had some NFL action last night. The season opener, the Chiefs defeated the Texans 34-20. to You heard that game via Westwood One here on 101 ESPN. And Kurt Warner, who was on the call and, of course, is a St. Louis Rams Super Bowl champion, is joining us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Kurt, thanks so much for taking the time out to join us. How are you doing today?
0: I am doing well. we got a little uh, football back. It's exciting to uh, to see that, and um, it's good to wake up and talk about it today.
2: Absolutely, Kurt. Well, what was your biggest takeaway from the game last night?
0: Um, well, I mean, you know, I think overall, big picture-wise, just that, uh, you know, as I said, that football's back. I think there's, you know, been so much, as you guys know, around all sports and, you know, what the season was going to look like if we were going to get to a season, uh, the distinct challenges of you know, 53-man rosters and the number of people that play in the NFL that we wondered if we would get to this point. So that's the first takeaway is that we got here. We played a game. It was a good football game. Uh, as far as in between the lines, uh, I think it's all about the Chiefs. Um, you wondered, you know, their roster stayed intact. You wonder if this team has a chance to repeat. And um, it sure looked like they, they do with, with what they did last night. Um, you know, at times maybe even better than what we saw last year with the Emergence of their young rookie running back, and um, it was a great start for them uh, from from that standpoint. I'm excited to see you know who can step up and, and challenge them.
1: Kurt, it was great to hear your voice on the call. Awesome job. Um, I got to ask you. I was listening to the game after the Cardinal game on the radio. It sounded like a normal football game it went to a challenge on what would have been the first touchdown and so when i do the cardinal games we're piping in crowd noise so you had 17,000 fans there they overturned what would have been a touchdown and then you heard the boo so what was it like? <laughs> it was great so you could if you were there you had 17,000 fans so could you hear the 17,000 and then was crowd noise being piped in what what was that like if you were on site with the crowd
0: yeah I think it was surprising to um, to really hear and feel the energy of the crowd because when you looked at the stadium, um, it didn't look like that many fans were there, you know because they were social distance and they were spread out, and they had that strategically set up and so when you looked at it, you're like, oh, I don't know what kind of impact they can really have and how much we'll really hear them because it doesn't look full uh, through the course of the game though, as you mentioned, you could hear them. They stepped up and, and they made some noise, even though um, you know the stadium was only 20% full. They made a lot of noise, and so it it gave um, at least some presentation of normalcy. Now, obviously, we know you know 70,000 fans in Arrowhead Stadium and the kind of impact that can have. So it wasn't to that degree, but I was pleasantly surprised in terms of. Uh, the presence and the energy that was brought by the fans, even in a limited capacity.
1: Do you know how they they did that, Kurt? I I don't mean to put you on the spot, but how they got the fans in there and, you know, just simple things like parking and how they took the tickets and simple things like going to the bathroom or the concessions and those kind of things.
0: Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, there there was a bunch of stickers, you know, all over the stadium uh, that said social distancing. So it was almost like uh, if you were in a line, um, you know, you stand here, the next person stands there. So they give you kind of that reference point. Um, you know, when we walked into the stadium, I had to walk through, um, you know, some lines and, and some gates that were set up and they had, you know, a uh, new technology temperature thing. And so as you were simply just walking up to the counter, they said, okay, your temperature is good. They're taking your temperature. They're, they're seeing all of that. And so it wasn't a long process. It was more just walking through, um, you know, so it was things like that um that they had set up to try to give us parameters and, and do the best that they could to, to make sure social distancing was done every step of the way. Um, in terms of, you know, the stadium, they had uh like plastic ties around the seats that you couldn't sit in. So you couldn't move seats. They had specific seats that were social distance for, for all the um you know, for all the fans that came. Uh so they would sit in just little pockets and I'm assuming you know little pockets were you know your family or people that that you know uh and are comfortable with and then they they spread them out throughout the stadium so well thought out and and you know a lot of things to try to force the hand of uh, of making sure that we we stay safe
2: st louis Rams super bowl champion kurt warner and of course analyst for westwood one you heard him last night on the chiefs and texans game last night here with us here on 101 espn kurt it feels like the nfc is kind of a toss-up this season when you're looking around the landscape of that conference it seems like there are several teams that could really emerge there so what teams are you looking at in the nfc that you think could be super bowl contenders
0: yeah, you know, I think you're right. You know, I mentioned the AFC before and you know, I see Patrick Mahomes as kind of the guy that's, that stands above everyone else and waiting to see if there's a quarterback in that AFC that can step up and match him and really challenge the Chiefs. On the NFC side, it's exactly the opposite. I mean, eight of the 16 starters here in week 1 will be uh you know quarterbacks that have led their team to the Super Bowl. And so it is very much a toss-up. I could see a lot of different teams winning that side of things you know i'm fascinated by the nfc south with tom brady and drew Brees. i think both of those teams are going to be really really good this year you know you look at the nfc west i think all those teams are going to be really good this year they you know you got the 49ers that are back seattle's always good i think the rams are going to be improved from their nine wins last year and i think the cardinals you know, on paper are one of the most improved teams. Uh, we'll see how they handle, you know, year number two for Kyler Murray and, and Cliff Kingsbury and the, the adding of uh, DeAndre Hopkins. So I, I, am with you. I think the NFC is much more wide open, much more competitive from, um, you know, that top quarterback standpoint, because it's a quarterback driven league. If you don't have that guy, it's very, very hard to compete for a championship Um So the NFC to me has a bunch of those guys, and I'm really fascinated to see uh, how these teams come out of the gate.
1: Are you fascinated with Tom Brady being away from New England like everybody else?
0: (laughs) Of course I am. Yeah. Um, You know, knowing you know some of the challenges that go into you know playing one place and then trying to reestablish yourself in another place. You know, after 20 years, uh, I think we're going to ask the question, and we've asked it in the past when Belichick and Brady have been together. Oh, who's more important to this? Is it Brady? Is it Belichick? And now we actually get a chance to see both of those guys in different places. Um, but I think Tom Brady's in a great situation. I think Bruce Arians is a great coach, and he has got a bunch of talent around him. So I think he's in a better situation to really succeed out of the blocks than you know Coach Belichick is. But you know, you have to assume Coach Belichick's going to do a great job as well. But yes, I am fascinated to see Tom Brady in another uniform. Playing in a different offense, um, and to see how he picks up from from you know all the great accomplishments that he's had over the first twenty years.
2: Kurt, another quarterback that I'm really intrigued by this season is Aaron Rodgers. We know he plays with a chip on his shoulder, but now with the Packers drafting Jordan Love, I wonder if we're going to see a, a sharper Aaron Rodgers this season. What do you think?
0: Well, I mean, you know, Aaron's Aaron's great, and he's he's so talented. And as you've mentioned, it we've seen numerous times throughout his career when when something kind of gets him re energized or refocused, the kind of runs that he's able to, to go on. Um and so it would not surprise me if he came out and had an mvp type year because he's obviously capable of that. But I think the question with with all of it when it comes to Green Bay is are there enough guys around Aaron Rodgers to help him be that guy? You know, they have Devontae Adams who's great. Uh Aaron Jones are really like but they didn't make a, a, you know very many upgrades on the offensive side of the ball, and Aaron's been asked to do a lot within that offense, especially with the limitations of wide receiver. So do I think Aaron comes out focused and ready to go? Of course I do. Um, but will there be enough firepower around him to allow him to uh, to really play at that level and, and put his best foot forward is, is something I'm watching because it's, you know, you're always looking at teams and going, okay, did they at least stay even or get better? from one year to the next. And I'm not sure the Packers are one of those teams. The Texans last night were one of those teams that I looked at. And thought, I don't think they got better, and it showed up on the field. So, interested to see, you know, what happens with the Packers and if they can, uh, you know, they can stay on top after that 13-3 and season that they had last year going to the NFC
1: Championship game. Kurt you mentioned that uh, you you felt the the football on the field was was very good last night. So generally speaking, no preseason games this weekend in the league. Do you think uh because of no preseason season games, do you think the football in the league generally speaking across the board will be sharp uh in the NFL this weekend?
0: I hope so. You know, I was pleasantly surprised last night. Um, you know, we talked about a little bit on the broadcast, you know, you're going to be in the back of your mind. You're going to have these different storylines, uh, that you wonder if the pandemic and the lack of preseason and those kinds of things, uh, will affect, you know, one of the things is tackling, um, not a lot of contact. Um, what's tackling going to look like? Something I got my eye on, you know, the offense and defensive line, you know, there's a time last night, you know, Mitchell Schwartz uh, basically just whiffed on a defensive end and gave up a sack on Patrick Mahomes and, you know, Mitchell Schwartz never gives up a sack and, and, and nothing like that. So you wonder if some of the lack of practice and contact and, and being able to do some of that affects little things that, that we'll all have our eye on. But, you know, as you said, overall, I thought the game was really clean and I thought it was really good football. Um, and I'll be fascinated to see if that kind of holds true for all of these teams or if it's more kind of veteran laden teams like we saw last night that have been there, done that. What happens with some of these rookies that, you know, their first, you know, you know game experience is, is a regular season game. Now, you know, how about the rookie last night? Didn't look like he, he needed any preseason. right uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, as, who I'm talking about, had a, had a breakout night. So, um, you know, those are all things that I'll be watching for and will fascinate me. But I think the first sign of, of that last night was, was really, really good.
1: We'll wrap it up with this. You're an amazing man. You're an amazing human being, and you're so charitable. I'm curious um, how the pandemic has affected... Uh, your charity work and your foundation, whether it be with donations or what you can do. You're still uh, so involved here in St. Louis and across the country. Um, What are you involved with and and how has that hurt or helped or what you can do uh, trying to get out and and trying to help people? Because you're so involved in trying to do so many things for so many people. So what are you up to these days on the charitable side and and how it's limited to you or, or maybe open up different avenues because you've had to be creative?
0: yeah yeah, I appreciate that. Um, yeah we're we're st- still trying to do our work. Um, you know, I've got my First things first Foundation that does a lot of stuff in the community. Uh, we've also got our Treasure house organization, which is a community living facility for young adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Um, you know so those are uh, two you know kind of foundations that we run, and there has been challenges, you know, fundraiser uh, for first things first ended up getting canceled. You know, we're trying to figure out ways to raise money. We've got a capital campaign coming up for Treasure House. And so you're trying to be innovative and find ways um, to continue to raise money and awareness for those things so you can continue to make a difference uh, in these challenging times. And so I think that becomes the key with everything. It's how do you adjust? Uh, How do you get innovative um, in terms of doing that? And so, you know, those are distinct challenges because we want to continue to make an impact and, and make a difference and you know we need a lot of people to join hands with us so uh those are things that that we're working through right now trying to develop some new ways of uh of doing those fundraisers and and touching people and uh and getting our message out there so you know if anybody's listening you can go to kurtwarner.org you can go to treasurehouse.org um and you can find out what we're doing because obviously every little bit helps us to continue to make an impact
1: and you just had a special day zach day did you not just uh what was it five <laughs> days ago
0: yes uh yeah it was uh you know last uh, last sunday so i love that um yeah Zach day you know my son suffered traumatic brain injury when he was four months old and has uh you know suffered through a lot of challenges and trials uh throughout his life but at the same time the joy that um that goes into that kid and that he spreads around the world is uh is pretty impressive you meet him uh and you're impacted by him and so you know every year uh we you know we step back and we celebrate him and uh you know we reflect on the kind of impact that he's had and um you know i think all of us need to do that a little more often uh and really count our count our blessings and we try to do that every year with zach
1: thank you for everything you do kurt appreciate it you bet thanks guys
2: Thank you, Kurt. That is NFL analyst for Westwood One, Kurt Warner, of course, St. Louis Rams Super Bowl champion. And it's always great to talk to Kurt Warner here in St. Louis, Dan.
1: If you're on Twitter, um, just go to Kurt Warner. It's at Kurt13Warner. He posted this five days ago. I I actually favorited it, um, and I I do a a fundraiser every year for – uh, kids with special needs but it's z he said z man my oldest son suffered a tbi traumatic brain injury 30 years ago today and through his challenges um has inspired me as much as anyone i have ever met today we celebrate the young man and impact he has had on this world wish all of you could meet him hashtag zach day kurt warner's the best
2: He absolutely is. That's Danny Mac. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming up next, we're going to wrap things up and get you ready for Scoops with Danny Mac here. Keep it on 101 ESPN.